Good morning. Let's join in worship together.
morning. That song is so amazing. It says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That is such a wonderful thought. I hope that during this time of all this uncertainty that you have been able to get in the presence of God. That you've been able to hear Him and connect with Him like never before. Because I believe that God has called us to have a time to just slow down and to begin to hear Him and hear Him so clear and just so so pristine that he wants to speak to our hearts and there's a verse i want to share with you and just encourage with you today it comes from hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 it says let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give take the mercy accept the help that in this moment god wants you to just run into his arms and experience his love like never before, that he has never abandoned you, that he is right there with you, that in this time he wants you to spend some time alone with him and just let him love on you. And so maybe you don't have the words to say, and that's okay because where his spirit is, there is freedom that you can just sit and rest in his presence. And he is going to speak to your heart and he's going to heal some wounds. And I've experienced that. And he's going to make deeper connections. So I just ask that you would just truly just lean into him. Father, we thank you so much for this time that we can just truly lean into you. That we can rush to your arms and we can receive from you what you have for us. Oh God, let us experience your full mercy and the help that we so desperately need in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, no. 
Pray. 
and I'm just gonna worship. defending us. Thank you for making everything new. Thank you for paying the ultimate price to set us free. We give this time to you today. God, I pray that you would set our eyes and our ears upon what you're going to say to us today, God. And I pray that you be with Pastor Nicole as she brings your word. Thank you for this time of worship. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, Oaks family. I'm so thankful that we get to be together. Um, some of us get to be together in a room. We are social distancing, just so you know, and uh, we're meeting all the requirements. But um, there is nothing like being together. Nothing. There's nothing like seeing your friends and praying for your friends face to face. And there's nothing like um, just being connected. Do you feel that? Feel that? Well, I just wanted to give you a few quick announcements before we jump into God's Word today. Um, this week, we began um, a new fund that God just laid on um, some of our hearts here. It's called the Acts 242 Fund, and we are going to use that to love our community well. And we've experienced some of that already. And um, we wanted to give you the um, opportunity to give. You can text to give, or you can give online. And there's a text to give number. Can you put that on the screen for us, Emily? So there's a text to give number that's going to be on the screen shortly. There we go. And um, you will want to check that out. We still are watching God do ministry, even though we can't be together. And so we've been able to bless our community well. And we believe where community happens that life grows. So this is one way that we're doing that. Another way that we're staying connected is through a Zoom table talk, which happens on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock. And uh, if you'd like more information, you're welcome to comment in the feed right now. Or you can shoot me a text or you can contact any person in the Oaks and we'll be happy to get you connected. So those are just a few things that we're doing to stay connected and we would really love to be connected with you. So um, before we jump into God's word, I'm going to pray for us. Dear Jesus, um, as I've spent time with you this weekend just wrestling through the, the emotions in my heart and the emotions that I'm sensing in our, our body of Christ here, Lord, I pray that you would just hide me behind your cross. I pray that your words would speak boldly and that you would uh, help us find you who, are, who is the defender of our heart, who leads us back to the truth as the one who surrounds us and keeps us safe. And so, Lord, I thank you that in the middle of any storm that we face, that you are here, that you are present, that you are real, and that you are our great friend, you are our help in times of trouble. I thank you for these truths that we can stand on of who you are. So, Lord, be with us in this message, and we give all this time to you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Someone just asked me um, the other day, do you think the world will go back to hugging after this pandemic is over? 
I surely hope so because I love hugs, but I also hate hugs, but I love the connection of them. So anyway, we're, we're not sure if the world will go back, but I know the people who love hugs. We're going back to hugging very soon. Um, will people still gather in arenas by the thousands for sporting events? Will they go to movies? Are they going to get on airplanes and sit close together and travel? Or are we going to let this be a, such a cultural change where everything that we have seen as normal resets? I don't know. But change is never an easy door for many people to walk through. Did you know that? Any of you all like change? If you live in our house... We know change is really hard at times. But uh, when a couple gets married, the task of learning their, the idiosyncrasies of your new spouse and how they brush their teeth or how they like the kitchen done before they go to bed, this can be a learning curve that's a little bit daunting. It can cause some fights. It can cause some disruptions in your everyday life. And um, when you start a new job, it takes a learning curve to go from being the person who doesn't know anything that sort of holds the team back to being an asset that they call to the table. Like, oh, we need him. He's really great at that. Or, wow, she's really amazing at this. But it takes a moment to let that change absorb you so that you can be made new. Um, also, transitioning from, like, living with your parents to going away to college. You see this newfound freedom. You're like, yes, this is awesome. But oftentimes you encounter a lot of what-ifs that you never dealt with because other people had taken care of things for you. These are changes that are hard. But the hardest change that I've ever experienced or seen with people around us are changes like death and divorce and breakups. They like really rock our world. They change everything that we think and they change everything that we perceive. It can take days or weeks or even years for someone to get over things like that oftentimes. And it's hard. Well, as we jump into uh, God's word, there's a moment before Jesus is arrested, before he goes to the cross for us in John 13. It starts in verse 33. And we're going to be unpacking through John 14, 12. So if you have your Bibles, you want to open those up. We're, we're going to be talking about John 13, 33 through John 14, 12. We see this moment of unfolding of a season of extreme that's getting ready to happen. This moment where, um, where Jesus is like preparing his people for like an ultimate breakup, an ultimate splitting, a real change that they're not sure is coming or what they're going to do with it. So he says these things starting in um, John chapter 13, verse 33. He's, he shares a new commandment. He says, no matter what, look at your neighbor, say, no matter what, no matter what, be known by your love for one another. Then he calls out the upcoming failure of Peter. That's something that we don't ever want to experience in our walk with Jesus, but it's something that really happens. He says, you, my friend, you're going to deny me. You think that you're committed, but your heart is not connected. So the second thing he says is, is no matter what, be known by your love and be connected to me. Be connected. And then he says, I'm leaving to prepare a place where again in the future you're going to be with me. So it's like a breakup that may not last, but it's still a season that's going to be really hard and awkward for them to walk through. He says, but don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. That's John 14.1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. 
It's a moment of preparing them for his death. It's a moment of getting their hearts ready for a season of change. And we can see in our lives that seasons of change have thrown us a little bit off. But Jesus gave us words to live by to prepare our hearts. He says, no matter what you experience, be known by your love, be connected to me, and trust in God. These three things can guide you into any unknown horizon that's before you. Anything. Be known by your love. Be connected to me and trust in God. These three things. And this is what I believe he wants us to walk out now. As the disciples enter this moment of potential change, we see some pretty normal emotions, some pretty normal actions. You guys had any weird and crazy moments that come to life as you've been dealing with changes in your life? We see um, that life is often like a roller coaster, like the ups and the downs and the twists and the turns and the unsure if you're going to fall out of the little, the little cart or if you're going to be strapped in well. I remember a few years ago, um, Mark and I and Brandon, we went to um, an amusement park in Florida and he was getting on this ride called the Pendulum and um, they forgot to strap him in. Thankfully, Mark has ridden enough roller coasters that he knows it's important to be strapped in. But can you imagine like the thought of taking off and not being strapped in to the machine? Like not being held into this metal piece that's flying you all over the place? How crazy would that be to be dealing with that? I was thinking about and digesting what God was saying here, and I feel like what he was saying what he is saying in this, in his text is that life is often filled with pendulum swings from one extreme emotion to another extreme emotion. But there's somewhere in the middle that he wants us to land. And so the two emotions that we see in John 14, starting in verse 5, we see Thomas, who's the picture of anxiety. He says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know? In other words, he's saying, we don't know what to do. What do we do? We don't know what to do. We don't, what do we do? We don't know what to do. He's a picture of some anxiety that we see flying around us right now. Jesus said in verse 6, he said, Thomas, remember that I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. I'm the only way to the Father. You've known me and you have known the Father. Jesus is saying, remember what you know, Thomas. Don't get lost in the what to do's. No matter what, cling to me. Philip is in, uh, we see him in verse 8. Philip is the picture of a cynic, which is really the opposite swing of anxiety. The cynic who says, just show me, and then I'll believe. All you got to do is show me, then I'll believe. And he, I can picture Philip with his arms crossed being like, this just, we just don't get it. I, I don't think that you know what you're talking about, Jesus. Like, I can just see him sitting there with that pose saying, I, I just won't believe it till I see it. And Jesus says this in verses 9 through 11 of John 14. He says, Have I been with you all of this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me and does his work through me. 
Then he says these two things. He says, just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And I imagine for a moment that, that Philip is like, still arms crossed, like, I just can't buy it that you're in the Father and the Father is in you. I just don't get it. And then Jesus says these big words that we need to hear. He says, at least believe because of the work that you have already seen me do. At least believe because of what you've seen. Jesus is saying, no matter what, Philip, you have seen love. You have walked with me. You have encountered the Father because of me. And Philip says, just show me so that I can believe. Change can cause each of us to act in extreme measures like we're riding on a roller coaster. From cynicism to anxiety. There's some good feedback coming. And everywhere in between. Many of us have seen with our own eyes the goodness of God. Haven't we? We've experienced the goodness of God. But yet we're still in the same boat like Philip. We're still in this moment of mentality where cynicism tells us that we have to have it proved to us. We have to have him prove himself to us. But on the other hand, we also live in anxiety. It's like we have all these balls in the air, but we don't know what to do with the information. It's like, what do we do? What do we do? Who do we listen to? And we can see these extremes come to life with the coronavirus and with quarantine, right? We've seen some crazy things from don't leave your house. Don't leave your house. So we live in this fear mindset. And then we have other people on the other end of the spectrum that are like, we're going to Walmart and we're licking all the vegetables because we ain't afraid. It's like, what? Are you supposed to not live in fear? But are you supposed to be so extreme that you put other people in danger? And then we have moments where we have seen people put their head in the sand and they don't listen to any news. Like, I'm a no-news girl, typically. You can ask Mark. He's like, in current headlines, this happened today. And I'm like, oh, didn't know. Because I don't, need, I don't feel like I need to know. But in a season of life, we have to be aware of what's going on around us. But the other full, full swing is 24-7 CNN, which I can tell you, if you got CNN going 24-7, you don't know the truth. There is so much extreme that goes on in all of the news coverages. It's not just CNN, but Fox or MSNBC, whatever you listen to. It's not the truth. It's a portion of the truth, but it's portrayed in a way to create some fear, to create some buy-in, to get people to think on their side of the view. No news doesn't hide the reality around us. We're still anxious. Even when I don't listen to the news, I wake up anxious if I'm being real. CNN over an overload of the news doesn't portray reality. It just fills up with every possible scenario. And we still find ourselves anxious because we don't know what to do. I've uh, experienced some extremes too. In week two of quarantine, um, without realizing it, I began to use my favorite coping mechanism, and that is numbness. I was experiencing life the same as everyone else. But I also was wrestling within me as one of the closest people in our family was diagnosed with COVID-19. And I'm a fixer, but I couldn't fix it. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't even go and visit and pray with them. And I found myself, um, and I 
realize that if I can't process, then I begin to stuff things and they go deeper and deeper and deeper. And then I want to deal with them later. Like that's my normal go-to routine because I am a goer. This is who I'm figuring out who I am in seasons of change. But my numbness was really making me into a ticking time bomb. And two weeks later, after I began stuffing and being numb, um, the bomb began to explode with a lot of crying and short conversations with my family members, not knowing who they were dealing with, walking on eggshells, things that they didn't need to do because I was trying to process. I was trying to fix things. And this required me to dig in and to look for my friend Jesus because I had lost sight of him. He says in his word, no matter what I experience in the culture of extremes, the truth remains the same and he is the truth. He is the one that sticks closer to the brother. He's the hope that anchors my soul and he is the one who wants to carry my burden. We live by what we believe is true, right? And when we can't wrap our minds around things, we can find ourselves in many seats. Your seat may be anxiety. Your seat may be cynicism. Your seat may be numbness. But Jesus wants us to sit in a seat of truth when we don't understand what's going on. Jesus' words in uh, 14 verse 1, John 14 verse 1, he's saying, don't let the changing situation change your focus. Don't get lost in anxiety or trapped in cynicism or numb yourself out. Jesus wanted his disciples and us to rest in the truth because, long story short, in a culture of extremes, the truth remains the same. He told Thomas, I am the truth. And whether we um, have this great pendulum swing or we consider life like a roller coaster ride of dealing with the pandemics or just normal everyday life, it doesn't just happen in the pandemic. Every shift that we face can be calmed with the truth of love. Jesus' first moment in his John 13 pep talk says, No matter what, may you be known by your love. Love cares for yourself and for those around you. In a pandemic, love calls us not to hoard things. We should not have a temple of toilet paper in our garages because there are other people in need. And when we know love, then we are willing to give in love. Love calls us to share our resources open-handedly because we know the blessing of being loved. We know what it's like to be loved. Don't you know what it's like to be loved? Don't you know what it's like when God just surrounds you in moments where you don't understand what's happening? He just overwhelms us. In real talk, um, in everyday life, love calls us to see people as people, to give them worth. Not by what they do for us or what they're trying to do for us, just because they are, just by letting them be, by letting them be people of value. It calls us to think before we speak and to consider others as better than ourselves. These are all truths from Scripture. Jesus' words to Peter says, you think you're connected, but there's a difference between being connected and committed. You know, Peter was saying, I'm going to die for you. I'm committed to die for you. Jesus is like, dude, you don't even know that you're not connected to me. Like, you think you got it all right, but there's something that you don't know. 
We all love our families, right? We love to be connected to them. And the way that we are connected is to know them. We know their voice. We, when we go to Target or Walmart, we see something, and we're like, oh, so-and-so would really like that. Our hearts are stirred. We hear songs on the radio, and it reminds us of a memory with them. Like These are ways that we're connected. We know our family because we're connected to them. We talk with them, not to them. Because dialogue is a two-way street, right? And so as we're talking, we're connecting with them. We're hearing from them. We're letting that dialogue happen. We learn what they like. If you live in my house or you know much about my family, you know that Mark loves two things, wrestling and roller coasters. Those are two things that stir his heart that he would give anything up to experience. Um, our girls love time together just in different ways. Cassie loves ice cream dates and trips where we just go and look through Target. Emily loves to laugh. She loves to flip. She loves to just be the life of the party. And it's beautiful when she's doing this. And Lainey is engulfed in all things culture, from art to reading to, to food. You know, she is all about the vegan way of life, and it is hard to embrace sometimes. But it is who she is, and it's how we love her well, by knowing her and by being connected to her. But being connected also means we learn how to digest hard times. Y'all ever had a fight in your house? We never have fights in our house. <laughs> the most difficult thing to do is stay connected through conflict. My house, most of it, we hate conflict. But without learning how to digest and unpack hard times, what we don't realize is we can lose connection. We start letting that conflict be a wall between us to where we can't connect any longer. We can think we're committed even though we aren't connected. And so many families actually dissolve because they don't know how to navigate this. They just they don't know how to get it. Some of our extended family is experiencing this right now over conversations that haven't been had, over lost connections where we forgot what people loved and enjoyed. Connection and commitment are also seen in the house of religion. Did you know that? Because it's really a heart thing. And that's what Jesus is talking to Peter about. He's saying, uh, he's saying, Jesus, I, or I'm sorry, Peter, I need you to be connected to me, not just committed to me. You don't get to be with me because you have to. You get to be with me because you get to. You get to live and die with me because we're connected, because we have this relationship, because you know me. And what I'm seeing in this great moment that we're in is that there are people who are far from the Lord, who are looking to the church to show them what it's not like to be extreme, to not be in the pendulum of anxiety and cynicism. They're looking to us. And these are some of the things that, that they're seeing. And this comes straight from the mouth of people that I get to do life with. Some people are seeing church people who say, don't you dare hold your tithe away. Don't you dare be afraid to give. And while it is important to stay committed, they've made this moment of giving not a get to, but a got to. And it says that, that the people, the church people, are afraid that if the people of God don't follow through, then the church people can't do what they do. 
And they've taken the church out of God's hands and put it in their own. This is what the world around us is seeing. They're seeing church people strive to be more present than they were before because they can't, get, they can't let the people settle to just look for God, their Savior, the one that they can trust. They aren't seeing church people do this. They're seeing people who uh, have no black or white, the rules, to also go to the far extreme where everything goes. And the people who are looking at the church to tell us what to do, to not live in the extreme pendulum swings, they're confused. When change happens, if we aren't connected in relationship with the truth, then we're going to fall somewhere between the black and white rules of orthodoxy. You know, you got to do it all right in order to be connected to God. All the way to the pendulum swing of anything goes in the name of love. John said, for the law, the black and white was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness, his grace and truth came through Jesus. That's in John 1.17. And Paul said, for when we place our faith in Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or uncircumcised. There's no benefit in being religious. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. That's Galatians 5, 6. Love grows relationships. I get to do life with our church at the Oaks because of a relationship of love that has grown. It's with connection and truth. Jesus said, no matter what, may you be known by your love, by your connection with me and how you trust God. The people are looking to us, the body of Christ, to show them the truth. And are we showing them that I am the Savior or that he is the Savior? Am I showing them that we trust in God or that we are looking to ourselves to make God's plan happen? These are big things, big changes And it makes me nervous. It does, if I'm being real. But when we cling to the truth that no matter what, we can be known by love, connected to Jesus, and trusting God, then we can navigate any change that we encounter. Any change. That means if you lose your job tomorrow, you can navigate it. That means if you go to the doctor on Wednesday and they tell you that you have terminal cancer, you can navigate it. That means if you decide one day that you're going to move across the country because that's where God wants you, you can navigate it. It doesn't matter what you encounter. If you realize that next week you're going to have a baby that you didn't even know you were pregnant with and you're not prepared, your resources aren't ready, instead of being anxious, you can navigate it. We don't know what's coming our way, but we know who is already there. And if we can live in those moments, then we can see it. So now that we've identified what Jesus meant by love and connection and trust, I want to show us how we can apply it to our everyday lives. Uh, The second picture, the first picture I saw was this pendulum. And the second picture as I unpacked it was a compass. And it took me a moment to realize that while a pendulum is swinging, it's a compass that takes us back to the center. It's the compass that gets us out of the extremes and back on the right path. When we encounter change, I believe what Jesus is striving to equip us with what he was striving to equip the disciples with in John 13 and 14 is to let him and his characteristics be the truth and the compass to guide our reactions and our actions. He needs to be the compass that guides us, the truth that carries us. When we look at a compass, 
to check a few things before we respond to change around us. We need to look. We need to let that compass be our guide. And so there are three things that I just found that um, I feel like what Jesus is saying in this moment of change and crisis that we can put into everyday life. The first is we have to check the source. In a moment of change and crisis, we're all looking for answers, right? All of us. Well, newsflash, Aunt Betty doesn't know when COVID's going to be over. Sorry. And neither does Brandon, in case you didn't know. Like, he is very prophetic, but he does not know when COVID's going to be over. Uh, CNN and, and Fox News, they don't know everything that's going on. They aren't the source for your answer. And Newsweek is not a place where you can find the correct CDC data. I had someone share the other day something from Newsweek, and I thought, Newsweek, what's that got to do with the, with the Center for D Disease Control? If the change includes a person that you know, like a moment that you just can't wrestle with, if someone that you know is there, I encourage you to go to the source. Check the source. Figure out what's going on. The other night, um, God told me that I needed to call a family here at the church. And uh, I called, and I'm sharing with them. And you can tell that the husband that I'm talking to is really not that engaged with me. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. And he was like, here, talk to my wife. So he hands the phone to his wife, and she is a blubbering mess. Like, she is crying. She's overwhelmed. And I was like, what is going on? And she said, I'm ready to divorce him. And I was like, what is going on? Now, first of all, I can't imagine how in the middle of a fuss, somebody answers their phone. <laughs> They're like, wait a minute, time out. We got to talk to the pastor. <laughs> or maybe that was a moment where it was a, a, a sign from God that they needed to take a step back and check the source. So I talk with the wife and I'm getting her to calm down and I'm praying, God, just let me speak some truth here. Because divorce is not what you want. And so I say, could you go back inside with your husband and put it on speakerphone? And with just a few words, their eyes and their hearts began to open. And I said, so-and-so, could you say to your wife, you are not my enemy. And as I said that, they didn't even say it. You just heard the phone fall, and you heard them cry and embrace each other and apologize. And it was a moment where they allowed the Holy Spirit to come in and be the truth to mend them, to get them out of their extremes of divorce or fighting or loving each other, like these extremes. Many relationships get blown out of proportion because we assume that the truth is what it is instead of what it actually is. We assume. You know what happens when you use that word. And if change is a circumstance that's out of our realm, like the big thing of um, COVID-19, our source should be a professional. Or, as Mr. Rogers said, look for the helpers. They will help you find the source of truth. The source of truth in this situation should be like a healthcare professional, somebody who's on the front lines, somebody who actually knows what's going on. But Jesus wants to be the compass to call us to check the source and look for the truth. The second thing that I saw as I was looking at how this compass could keep us grounded and not in the living in the extremes, is to check our heart. What are you feeling? 
one of the number one questions that I ask people is, how's your heart? And a lot of people hate that question because it makes you think. But 1 Corinthians 13 reminds us of feelings of love that we should have. It says, love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice in injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. When we have emotions that are different from that because of this season in our lives, you know, we can ask Jesus, our friend, to come in and redefine what's in our heart. We can ask him to change how we feel. Um, when I was struggling with the numbness that I was feeling, Jesus was saying, you need to check your heart. How's your heart? And I was like, oh, I'm good. You ever tell Jesus that? He asks you a question, you blow him off. You're like, oh, I'm good. It's all good. All is well. But I wasn't. And I was lying to myself. And I was also lying to Jesus, who knows everything. This is where anxiety and cynicism can slip in and take us down paths we never want to encounter. Jesus' words to Peter, you think you're going to die for me, but Peter, you have to get real with yourself. When we check our hearts, we get real with ourselves so that we can be real with Jesus. The last thing is the compass calls us to check our reactions with God. The character of God says there's no fear in love, that God will provide everything we have. And as Jesus told his disciples, do not be troubled, but trust. This is what God would tell us to do. If it's true that the world is looking to us for the truth, for peace in the middle of a culture of change, then we have to look and ensure that our actions don't look like the extreme sways, but instead we look like the peace of Christ, right? We have to make sure that we settle there. Micah's prophetic words in Micah 5.5 5 says he will be our peace. Last week, many people where Mark works were furloughed, like 900 people. We considered it a huge blessing that, that he didn't get furloughed, that he kept his job. And as we called one family member to share, like, this is the blessing. Look at what God did. 900 people lost their jobs, but he got to keep his. The words out of that family member said, I really wish that you would have lost your job so that we would be safe. Friends, that is not the heart of the God. He's not a God of fear. but He's got a God of walking with us and asking us to trust in the compass of Christ. Our actions should be spreading hope to those who are looking and longing. Do you know people who are looking? They're the ones in your life who are sitting on the sidelines and saying, Bro, is God real? I'm, I'm looking to see if I can see God in your life. He looks like he's a pretty nice guy, but is he real? We're also called to... to Spread hope to those who are longing. These are the people that are in our lives that are saying, I just need Jesus to show up. I need Jesus to show up. Kevin, could you help me see Jesus show up? Last week, uh, last week we gave away coffee. We pay for coffee in our community. Um, worship team, I'm ready for you all when you, whenever you are. Um, we paid for coffee in the community because the people who own the coffee shop are the people 
in our lives that are standing on the outside looking. They need to see an authentic picture of this Jesus that we talk about. The true image of perfect love that casts out fear. So we've said here, God use our resources to love your people. So that we don't look like people of fear, but we look like people of peace, of hope. We started the Acts 242 fund because it's beautiful to watch our church get that we get to be the community of Acts 2. We get to do this. We get to love people so that there is no need and we all are together in one accord. Not one little car, but all together in one family. We get to do this. We've seen miracles happen from Jeremiah being cured of COVID to a baby being told before that wasn't a viable pregnancy to now. He's going to live. These are miracles that have happened because we've been praying because we believe in the God who brings peace and hope and we can trust him in the middle of our lives. As change continues to unravel, we need to continue keeping our eyes firmly fixed on the truth. Because long story short, in a culture of extremes, the truth remains the same. Let's hold Jesus' pep talk, family. Let's cling to it. That no matter what, we should be known by our love, be connected to Jesus, and trust in God. Let's keep our eyes on the compass of Christ and ask him. Let's check the source of the change in the crisis. Get to the root of it. Let's check our hearts and make sure our feelings line up with those of Christ. And let's ask God to show us how to act and react. This is the only way that we walk through and that we get to be the hope in the season that we're walking through. As we prepare to worship, I encourage you to check on how you're doing. Just take a few moments. Take a few moments and let your heart be settled. How is your heart? Everybody hates when I ask that question, but just be prepared. God's asking you that. How's your heart? Are you wrestling with some anxiety or cynicism or some numbness? Are you struggling with some emotions that don't look like love? Ask Jesus to help you see and digest this hard place. To step into this moment and bring peace in the middle of your roller coaster life. As we worship that he is making all things new, I encourage you to allow him to make you new. Ask him to speak into just one place. God, I have anxiety or cynicism or numbness here. Show up here. He is faithful to show up when we invite him into that moment. So let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, you are here in our midst. And I believe that you're calling us to rest and trust in you. You're calling us to rest that you are making us new, that you are in control of the roller coaster, and that you are the compass that we can trust in, the compass that will bring us to the source of the problem so it can be fixed. You're calling us to come to, the, to check our hearts so that we can be walking in love and to check with you, our defender because you call us to act in a certain way.
so that we can be salt and light in the world. Lord, remind us today that that this is your church. The Oaks is your body. The people that are watching are your people. That you are calling to be new, to be holy, to be changed, to accept your invitation to be made new. And so, Lord, as we worship, I pray that your Holy Spirit would rain down, that we would be overwhelmed with your goodness, be reminded of what you're doing in our midst, and be able to rest in your peace. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you are making us new and that we are free. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Free. 
Love you. We're so thankful to call you family, and we hope to see you on Wednesday. Have a good day.